Fabulous. Stop working. <laughs> so, welcome to Podjucate. That is the name of the podcast. I'm at Mr. President and very excited to be here with my first female creative team. Woo! Yeah. I've never actually, got to, I've always wanted to do an all-female creative team. That's oh, been my goal. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, and I'm excited to see you guys. I know it's going to go well. So, um, so Flo and Ruby, or is it Ruby and Flo? You know what? Introduce yourself. It's Flo and Ruby. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> it is Flo and Ruby. <laughs> that's I me. Get, that's I... Flo saying that, by the way, because I'm massively, yeah, really egotistical. I'm kidding. I'm not. Maybe I am. I don't know. I'm scared. I did ask uh, a friend of ours to tell me which way round sounded better, though, when we were, like, making our web- website right at the beginning, and she was like, oh, no, Florence and Ruby, that sounds better. And I was like, oh. <laughs> should, should we introduce ourselves so everyone knows? Yeah, exactly. So, so I'm... individually, okay, so yourselves, I... your role and whatnot. Yeah, <laughs> yeah great. Um, hi, I'm Florence Poppy Deary, and I am an art director creative at Mr. President currently. And I'm Ruby Norman Curran, and I am the copywriter in this team. I feel like that's what our answering machine message would be if we lived together. Fabulous. <laughs> Do you have like a like a, a band name together? Ruins. Oh, did you just come up with that? Because that was very smooth. <laughs> I really want to say yes. It's definitely something that we've talked about before. It sounds a little bit yeah. like ruin, which yeah. I like. Florence and Ru- Ruins. <laughs> or Fluby, which just sounds a bit poncy. Oh, that sounds like Fluby. <laughs> sounds like Flubber. Mm. I'd rather, I'd rather Fluby's people... very sweet. I like it. Mm. I, I Either think or. you should go by Fluby. <laughs> Fluby and then after, after Watershed, it's, it's Ruins. Anyway, together. sorry. No, that's okay. So, um, do you want to talk a little bit about sort of your journey, guys? Um, to up to this point, sort of talk about how, <laughs> talk about like um, how long you've been at Mr. President, you know, and then we'll get into the fun stuff, how the agency works yeah, and stuff. Course. So, just enlighten, enlighten us a little bit. So, we started out at Mr. President about a over a year ago, just over a year ago. I think. That's not where we started. That's not where we originally started. That's how no, long you've been here for that long. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. And then before that, we were at Quiet Storm, which is. Where we started our... It's another independent agency with... Um, I, went, I went there for Trump Crit. And then you? I said to them that I'd been at this present before Book Crit and said, who did that? And I said, um, they were like, is it Florence and Ruby? And I was like, yeah, they're like, yeah, they used to work here. They tell you. And I was like, I don't really remember that. <laughs> and they're like, oh. No, that's where our home was. It was um, it's where we started out under under Trevor Robinson, who is an absolute Trevor Robinson OBU. He's amazing. Who is just an incredible human being, incredible creative, but also one of the nicest guys you'll ever meet. He's in, so nurturing. We yeah. call him Trev Dad. I don't think he likes that. Don't say that. Oh, is that, yeah. oh, is that? <laughs> we don't call him Trev Dad. That's definitely not a thing that we no, call him. He, um, he was an amazing mentor to have and really, really is one of those creatives that just wants everyone to succeed. He's really good at, um, yeah, like I said, mentoring, but like, it just felt like we were constantly under his wing. Like He was really tr- always trying to push us, yeah. always trying to give us like the most experience that we could possibly get. And it was it was amazing. We were there for how many years? About three or four years. Yeah. And it was it was amazing. It was really like we we did a lot of crying. Okay. We did a lot of crying. We left, but Mr. President is amazing. So we left. There. So all together does that mean like five years yeah. working together? Yeah. 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 And before that, I um, think you explained to me before the whole process of you guys becoming a team. Yeah. And it, but um, we've got quite like different. Um, sort of like backgrounds and how we sort of got into into the industry and yeah, which I, mean, I th- which I think is like yeah healthy healthy very yeah. healthy very, <laughs> came from different places it's good very healthy um <laughs> I do you want to go first oh I did my master's mm. so I did a kind of more traditional route I did through the education thing I did I went to art school then I went and did an English literature degree then I did my master's in advertising at Falmouth and then I went and got book crits with my partners and there were two partners for Flo. Um, shout out to Kat and Zach. 
Well, it's a diss track. <laughs> no, this isn't a, this isn't a diss track. <laughs> you guys are both amazing. <laughs> yeah, no. Yeah, and then um, mine was sort of less less traditional than Ruby's um, in that I studied illustration at Brighton University and didn't really know that advertising was the thing that I was very much destined for. I, I remember my, my last crit that I had at university, they sort of said, oh, what do you want to do? Looked at all my work and... I said, oh, I really want to be an animator. And they said, don't, because you're shit at that. <laughs> and I said, oh, okay. Thanks for crushing all of my dreams that I've just spent £22,000 on. What do you think I should do? And they said, and they said you have really good ideas, and that's, that's your strong point. And they basically said, you've got really good ideas. You should, um, you should go into being an art director at an advertising agency, because kind of, looking at your work, you basically made films about... Basically made a bunch of films that were adverts without a product attached to them. It was yeah. all insight-based video stuff, like yeah. silly little films and stuff. And um, when you're sort of in your... How old was I when I left uni? Like 22, you kind of just go, what anyone ever says to you should do, especially me, I would just go, okay, fair enough, I'll just go and do that. Yeah, yeah. So <laughs> I went back home and like studied for like a year, like looking into advertising, like trying to work out how what the fuck it was, what, what on earth I had to do to get try and get into yeah. it. You are the only creative that I know that got a job without a book you didn't have any adverts in your book at all uh, can you, you transfer some of that to me please <laughs> <laughs> but I think I think that's the thing I think sort of going back to like my my portfolio when I when I left university it was it was a lot of insight based yeah. hum, humorous like comedy sketches essentially yeah. that were all about a minute long mm. which is essentially just an advert but without any product attached to it and um yeah when I, I kind of trying to consolidate this into a smaller snippet but essentially i to do this, tried to get into advertising, spoke to a girl in a pub that I was working with at the time, trying to make some money, who'd left a DNA debrief on the bar, and I read it, and I was like, well, what's DNA D? And she was like, oh, it's this advertising thing, and I was like, all right, fair enough, I'm going to do that. <laughs> Did it, and then checked my junk mail about three months after I submitted my piece to it. And I just had a thing saying, "Oh, you've been nominated for a yellow pencil," and I was, oh, and I was on the phone to my friend, and I didn't know what it was. I wish I had the thing you no. had. <laughs> I know. I mean, I yeah, Literally. I'm very lucky. <laughs> and then you yeah, went to DNAD um, Gradicad, as it was called then. It's now called New Blood. Amazing experience. Just managed to wasn't very. I was skinned at the time, so I had to go and get a job um, back where my family lived in Guildford at this lovely agency that took me on called DNX. Um, who were really sweet and I just saved everything that I earned there to then come to London and then Quiet Storm gave me an internship which I was very lucky about and that's where I met Ruby. Yeah, so the moral of the story is there are no casual conversations in bars. Everything is important. <laughs> do, you know, do, you know what? do you know what? Similar similar I found advertising in a similar way. Yeah. It is. Honestly, one of my bar one of my um my workmates was talking about the um, Great British Diversity Experiment. I've told this story before, but long story short, ended up there, met a few people did a little work experience with those, so I was sort of finding my way without knowing I was finding my way, and it's all from mm. a conversation at the bar. And my first ever mentor who showed me about graphic design was also a customer at the bar. So, but this is it. Work so true. Work in a bar. Work in a bar. Go and work in a bar, and everything will be okay. <laughs> and go to bars, or you'll become and an drink in bars. But you don't have to drink alcohol if you don't want to. Yeah. You can just drink lime and soda. This is my new secret. <laughs> Drink lime soda in a yeah. short glass, so it looks like it's all double. Yeah, yeah. Well, it looks like a drink. Please drink responsibly. <laughs> yeah, drink responsibly, kids. Um, no, but yeah, it, I, I think the moral of the story is that like you can. It's so interesting talking to every single creative I've ever met who come who's come into advertising has got a different story and mm. a different has come out from a different angle, and I think it's just full of like really creative people. I think it's that kind of industry, there. isn't it? Yeah, it's like 
yeah you find it if you find it and yeah. when you find it, it's for you yeah i think it's really good but yeah, yeah. so yeah don't you don't need to have adverts in your book <laughs> <laughs> but it helps <laughs> it would help yes. yeah um so do you like what's like the dynamic at mr president so like how many other creative teams are there how do the briefs normally get um, funneled out to you guys or filter down? Um, how many people do you report to? How big is the team? Okay. That kind of thing. Okay, well, I'm going to try and do the, some of those bullet points. Um, we're so quite a small agency. We're very small, and also we're going through a bit of a reshuffle at the moment, so there's, there's a few teams have left recently. On the, on the whole, there's about four creative teams that they have okay, yeah. on the whole. At the moment, it's much more... It's, I think there's only two constant teams. There's me and Rubes, and then Stefan and Gnome, who aren't technically a team, but they work together. Mm. Um, Briefs get dished out um, sometimes because you're free and there's a brief coming and you, you're yeah. working on a thing. Yeah, so a lot of just the time, timing. But a lot of the time it'll be like their strengths are this. Like me and Rubes often get funny briefs yeah. <laughs> that, um, or like ones that sort of require sort of like some comedy writing or whatever um, or a bit weird and or like again, I think Stefan and Gnomes are quite good at writing like really intense scripts that are quite sort of like heartfelt and stuff like that but I mean not to say that they're not writing so I'm blabbering now but essentially they'll what will happen when a brief comes in they'll look at the creative teams and go this is really good for you mm. because I know that it's going to play to your strengths this is really good to you because it's going to play to your strengths and when you've got like a good sort of traffic manager like producers like internal producers and stuff like that who are in charge of that they'll they'll tend to give you stuff that they know will challenge you but also be right for your strengths i think i'd yeah. say on the whole how many like creative directors or whatnot do you have to report to so our sort of we've got a cheat uh our creative director is john gladstone he's amazing right he's our ecd yeah and he so we often report into him but we also have the chief creative officer laura mm. who is also amazing so it depends on who's around and when and they'll take on different projects so depending on what you're working on you'll report into different people do you have any um sorry were you gonna say something no. Uh, I was going to say that, yeah, no, it, it's, and, and also, like, the interestingly enough, like, the briefs are divided between John and Laura to their strengths as well. So, like, yeah. it depends what, so, like, yeah, it, it depends what, what, what the client is, what they're after. John and Laura will have different strengths, and yeah. yeah. Do you have in house strategists? Yes. Yes. No creative good. agency should have not should not have that because they are such a vital part of any brief. Which is a great point. And essentially, it makes you've got good strategists, you've got good planners, then it makes mm. our job so easy. Yeah. <laughs> In-house producers. Yeah. 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 So we have agency producers, and then mm. when we're sort of going through TV and going into like production or not even TV, just anything, we'll usually bring a, a another producer in Harriet, who thinks working at the moment, who kind of looks after various bits and pieces and then we'll work with a production company externally um, mm. to get the shoot done or the stun or whatever it is that it's done but it's, yeah you, you tend to build up a relationship with those people too so it won't be like you're working with someone you've yeah so, one of the things about Mr President is it's quite small so we're all in mm. one big open plan office we all know each other we can I mean we're not supposed to but you can shout across the table to somebody if you need to like <laughs> you need not so quickly you're obviously supposed to go through the official channel supposed to go through yeah. the production but they're on the other yeah, side. Yeah, which is you. nice. Always great. That was a great breakdown, guys. So, um, I've been thinking about this thing. How does general creativity become advertising creativity? Because I wonder why I'm so <laughs> sure that my creativity is for advertising. But I think I just know that. It just um, is what it is. It's a certain think, yeah, you I, mentioned that your work was insight based, and yeah, that's how your your yeah. uni um, mentors. Yeah. 
I think it's one of those really weird things. It's kind of like you you meet a lot of creative people, uh, sort of creatives in the industry that work in very different ways like you have mm. and often it's in teams as well you'll have one creative that goes and then we can do this and we'll paint this purple and then we'll do this and just shout and scream and then you'll have one other person and i'm pointing a ruby here who'll kind of look at things more strategically <laughs> and go that's really weird um do you know what how that, that does work um like this and sort of like but it's kind of to do with your your essentially your problem solving mm. and i think there's creatives in the world that just are like artists or just want to make things that are beautiful and mm. they'll be working with with that i think when it comes to advertising it's kind of like you the beauty of it is you get to stay in, and i know this, people are going to be like what the fuck are you talking about but you almost get to stay in a nice little box i mean obviously you stray out of it a little bit but a brief for me is like mm. a really nice box to be creative in and yeah I, I know what you mean and it's I not like yeah. make you wake up and make anything and everything yeah. it's like you make something with a purpose is, i think that is what is daunting isn't it having yeah. something that you could do anything with and that's yeah. part of being creative is that when you're running off your own steam you're doing your own project you could do anything yeah and you have nobody to answer to which mm. is brilliant and amazing but also terrifying yeah and one of the things about advertising is that you have people going there are rules here this is the brief that you have to do you can go outside of it this is who the but not that far these are the people that you have to report mm. to and it gives you rules it gives you a structure exactly mm. it's it's I, it's a little bit tennessee i like the fact that someone throws you something and you just all like mm. giving them something back mm. rather than what other, yeah. Yeah, what other analogy can i use on don't have yeah. one. Don't no, work. no, no, but I, I think it is. I think, I think there's, I think it, as well, like I think that it's quite a smart thing to get into if you want to be creative because it allows that part of your brain to be constantly wearing away and working and like problem solving, strategizing, being creative, like trying to work out how to push the boundaries enough for it to still be inside the box. And every day you come to work and you get to do that. And, but it's, it's yeah, it's not like just walking into an artist studio and going, I'm going to do a painting today. Mm, yeah, exactly. you know, it's like why so many artists write themselves manifestos. They need that yeah. sort of like that little mm. gateway to sort of walk down. I'm rubbing my computer and it's making really weird noise. And Ruby said, "Don't do that." <laughs> come off on the microphone. So I apologise. I'm getting a bit carried away there. Um, but yeah, no, I think I think I don't think there's a definite answer to that. I would say, but I think there's there's people gravitate towards it. I think because mm. they, they they like the they like a bit of structure. Yeah. The thing yeah. is, I get and all creatives are fucking mental. <laughs> There are a lot of very creative people in advertising and that's a great thing because it pushes everybody's boundaries a bit and everyone comes in with a different idea. Within work, you have structure. When you're outside of work, there's nothing mm. to stop you doing other things. If you are one of those creative people that needs creativity to feed your creativity, yeah. which so many creative people yeah. are, mm. there is still time for you to do your own stuff, like Flo's putting on an exhibition yeah. this weekend. Yeah and she's got her Instagram. She does yeah. so much stuff outside of work. She's actually I, I actually wonder, <laughs> she's doing it's, it right is now. very tiring, <gasps> I wonder how you produce your illustrations at such a rapid rate. <laughs> you, can like, I tell you what? <laughs> yeah. Can I tell you how? Don't ruin it. I'm not ruining it. Anxiety. <laughs> Everyone says it's a bad thing. I think it's great, because I go home and I get real anxiety about the fact that I've not drawn anything and I can't go to bed until I've done something and I've got something out and it is, that's amazing. It's, <laughs> it's, it's channeling. Strangely it. amazing. Yeah, it's channeling. I wish I had that. <laughs> My sister always said to me, she was like, I think that you need, we need to, in our society, look at our weaknesses and our flaws and like, and turn them around and go, this is why mm. 
this is this is why my career's happened this is why i'm such a good person like my mm. sister always my sister's <laughs> written a cookbook about being vegan yeah and one of the things she's written in the front in this is why are you vegan and she's like well because i'm really vain and i want to look hot forever <laughs> and that's her that was her drive to Obviously. write a cookbook whereas my you can buy that cookbook <laughs> it's by emily deary <laughs> a vegan build um do you know what i relate uh, to that i want to be vegan, vegan yeah. for the same yeah. thing yeah it's not because i care yeah. about the animals sorry well, exactly yeah. <laughs> my skin to look good and i want to be oh, my skin and my hair <laughs> to be amazing <laughs> I'm joking. I don't know. Don't, don't retract that. No, but um, and the but no, my um, my no. And then my my thing that I have is I need to be constantly putting things out because if I don't, then I feel a bit anxious about it. And yeah. So I was trying to work on that, and I was like, actually just harness it, like tap into that thing and and do something creative with it because now it doesn't yeah. make me. I'm not sitting there just twiddling my thumbs, going, "Why do I feel anxious?" I'm doing something creative with it. So I think everyone has flaws everyone has things that they're not happy about but try and use those things and make them into the thing that that, that drives you as a human being that, yeah. that's the thing i would say make them your strengths yeah do you think that feeds into a moment when you sort of realize what kind of <clears throat> creative person you are do you think that as an advertising creative you sort of have this aha moment like i'm good, good at this genre and this is my kind of type of advertising that i like to put out mm. do you know like if you're not good at social media does that make you kind of like um, do you think you should feel a little bit nervous in this day and age i think you should i think you should, i think you should be good at everything yeah i know and i, I think <laughs> ruby's laughing at you. i think for me <laughs> i i think that you shouldn't just be doing things you feel comfortable doing mm. i think that you have come you're not you're not becoming better you're not growing as a human being if you're not constantly scaring yourself and if you find social media really difficult or if you find doing experiential stuff really hard if you find writing scripts really difficult those are the things you should be doing because why on earth should you just sit in your little bubble going i'm really good at doing posters and i'm just gonna sit here doing that like <laughs> that's fine if you want to do that but for me i think i what's what's the point in coming to work every day unless you're pushing yourself and making yourself better at everything again anxiety is probably playing that <laughs> i need to be good at everything or you're a failure yeah. you don't uh, have to be good at everything <laughs> i do i do i do i do <laughs> Flo um, needs to be good at everything, but, but normal people don't need to be good at everything. I do get a little bit like, oh my god, I'm bad at that. I don't want to do it ever again because I don't want people to know I'm bad at it. Yes, and that's a trap that I think a lot of people fall into that they try something like, oh, I'm not immediately good at it. I'm not going to try. And yeah. I'm guilty of that too. If I'm not immediately good at something, I'm often like, well, I'm not going to do that anymore. It's just I just don't like it. Exactly. But actually, yeah. Flo is right. Like sometimes, uh, not all the time, but sometimes you all do need to push yourself to try new things in order to work out actually whether or not you have any potential to be good at that because who knows like if you gave up at everything that you weren't immediately good at you would never find half the things that you enjoy today mm. and when you're a kid you are forced into doing things over and over again that you don't necessarily like you get forced to do the whole curriculum That's even true. if you don't like maths and mm. um, maybe you didn't like maths at five but at 17 yeah you love maths like yeah. who knows it wants to be the thing that you picked in the end. Mm -hmm. So don't limit yourself. I think is is the thing. And if you're less, if you're bad at something, that doesn't mean that you're not going to be good at it in the future, or that you can't get anything from it. Even if you are not good at something, you are still getting something from this. I'm going to lead the conversation into a bit of a um, discussion about um, the face of advertising, mm -hmm. the current climate, sort of um, discussions mm. of needing diverse talent. Um, mm. But I wanted to ask you sort of how well you think the advertising industry is actually doing um, at. I think they're asking for a lot of talent, but how well are they doing at nurturing the talent that comes in? Like, what are they doing to sort of make sure that there is um that there's balance being restored or put in place? Um, women yeah. get into exact positions, that kind of thing. Um, firehead. Mm. Um, I think. I mean, it's such. It's it's such a, a sort of 
sort of difficult topic because mm. I think there are there are no quick fixes for it and I think that it's it's one of those things that does take a really long time and I think there's a lot of agencies and a lot of people in in the advertising world that are really sort of like pushing for it I think the mistake that gets made I think a lot in advertising agencies is in is less nurture more hire and I think that, that that's a problem and I think we'll, be, we'll mm. talk about like something phrase. in a minute but it's um but I think there's a lot of like oh we've got no women let's hire some women or yeah. we've got no people of ethnic different ethnic backgrounds let's hire some rather than why are those people not getting into these jobs why aren't there any mm. why are they quite difficult hires to make and I think a lot of what's really good is, is is internships and having placement teams and like but going not just assuming that they're going to come and find you going out and finding them which will lead me on to the thing that Ruby <laughs> is, um, is doing uh, is starting you know what, yeah. I, I just want to say yeah. you guys have literally predicted my entire my entire story. <laughs> <laughs> everything that I wanted to prompt you guys prompted it well that's fine sorry go ahead Ruby sorry. tell us about your amazing work no, so Ruby's got this great um, idea just got um, it's a project that I'm working on is called Back to School Club and one of the problems I think that we have in the industry is that for a really long time and things are changing now there is mm. definitely the will to change a yeah. lot of people are trying to make that change mm. one of the problems amongst many problems is that I think people who are younger are not seeing people that look like them in yeah. industry so we've got a lot of sorry old rich middle class straight cisgender white men but a lot of you are in charge and you are a the visible people, people. Are my favorite people. yeah <laughs> there's nothing against them but they are the most visible people in advertising has been mm. for a long time mm. things are starting to change mm. but until you have really visible people that are from diverse backgrounds people are not going to see people like them in industry they're not going to want to get into industry because they won't f even think of it as an option for mm. them it's the same with a lot of these kind of mm. Uh, mm. A lot like like banking, it's, it's yeah, the same. Yeah. It's considered but, to be something for those people. So one of the things that we were hoping to build is a my project is called oh, faffing and talking about nonsense. No, no, no. So what I wanted to do was set up a thing called Back to School Club, which is where we get diverse people from industry just to go back and do a talk in their school or the area that they're from. So anybody from any kind of diverse background goes back so children you can do an assembly people, yeah basically do an assembly i, I was dreamed of going back to my school doing assembly. Yeah, everybody wants I to used do to it go here now look at me <laughs> that's why it's gonna work it's it's kind of like a no makeup selfie you know everyone yeah. kind of wants to go back and do a talk in their school mm. and be like yeah successful so they want to do it and those kids need to see those people doing it because it's people like them mm. so i think that there's a mm. it's a really small idea but i think that it could make a difference and and the whole creative industry. I think the action of it mm. absolutely could make a difference the just representation is, I think yeah representation is a big element I would say from my opinion or perspective mm. I think it's a thing of knowing like you're saying that it's, I think that solves almost a bit of a problem of knowing that these opportunities exist yeah mm. I think it's like it's literally like a secret door mm. this industry yeah. and if you stumble across it well done but if you don't then you yeah. could honestly it could pass you by you could not even know the amount of times I went to my cousin's house recently and she said to me I still don't know what you do. She's like, just explain to my friend what you do because I don't get it every time you say it to me. And people just don't get it. I still don't it. know what I do. Yeah. People don't get it. It's so, it's so niche. 
<laughs> no, it, it, it's so it, niche and it's so yeah, unique it is. that it's very hard to explain and yeah. expose to people. And I think that in itself is just is you've just summed up the creative industries as a whole. Like when you go to school, you go oh, doctor, nurse. I'm going to go mm. and do like very very straightforward things that going to be an accountant. All these things that have got names that you know and you when you're growing up and nobody sort of says oh you could go and be a photographer's assistant or you could go and be a gaffer on the set. Like there's no mm. and I mean and that's that's another huge huge area that needs to be infiltrated with some diversity is is, yeah. um, is crew on sets. It's it's really hard. Like you go on any shoots that we've been on and it's it's not and again it's in no way it's down to any of the production companies you work with it's just down to the fact that there's no one knowing about, about those industries knowing. and a lot of it is it is it's my nephew or my it's, yeah. and it, a bit of nepotism isn't awful but it's, it's one of those it's one of those things exactly. where people don't don't know that these things exist and i think ruby's ruby's uh back to school club which is going to be amazing it, it could very easily expand into the whole of the creative industries and yeah. tell Theresa may to fuck off because <laughs> she thinks that it's not worth it that's the clip i'm pulling <laughs> <laughs> but like i just wrote an article mm. about this recently one of the really interesting things that we kind of like perceive as a society is that the arts are not something that makes any money so don't go into mm. the arts get a real job yeah it's not true it's a total lie the arts are basically holding up this economy currently <laughs> uh, they make more money than uh oil gas aerospace and i think it was like the mm. human sciences combined the arts makes more money than all of those yeah. things amazing. It's nuts, that's an amazing it? fact so yeah. they go, and parents are sitting there saying oh don't do an art subject it's not a real subject that's so wrong in it, it's in just, so many ways it's like you should be going, is there nothing you could do in the arts, darling? Give up maths. No one needs that anymore. There's computers now. Um, but yeah, no, it is, it is, um, it is, it is ridiculous. Encourage your kids to go into the arts as well. People believe more in, I think, digital careers in mm. the same age, funny enough, than actual mm -hmm. the arts you're saying. But think about, think about the thing that can't ever be replaced by computers. I know. Creative brains. Well, mm. It's going to be one of those things where they're starting to look at jobs that can be replaced by computers. Yeah. And a lot of things like that were traditional subjects like mm. maths and science things that can so if you're doing like really high level science obviously that's theoretical but if you're doing a lot of the kind of like lower level stuff or you're doing accountancy or doing yeah. any of those like traditionally well-paid jobs Not that we those jobs are going my cousin's an accountant <laughs> okay sorry. Um, <laughs> those jobs are going to be eventually replaced by computers and then what are the jobs that you can't recreate with a robot yeah <laughs> And that's going to become, I think, a key thing in education like, as we go forward, because the curriculum is going to have to change around that. Mm. Anyway, you hope, hope you have hope. a sexy brain, yeah. like Flora. Yeah. Oh, that's my tagline on LinkedIn. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, I wish I thought of it. I'm so angry that you write about me. That's so something I would say. You're more than welcome to also have a sexy brain. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You have, can have steal sexy it. brain too. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. The you. return of the sexy <laughs> exactly. brain. <laughs> So, <laughs> how do we get more girls to? Oh, I'm sorry, agenda. Mm. How do we get more <laughs> female creatives to exec positions? Um, I think or, like get like them to management feel confidence. Yeah, so like ECD, like for um, example, Laura, I think, knows, chief creative officers. I think I there's know. a lot of things that go through at the moment, which are like really about like trying to empower women now, and like I've been to so many talks, which are so inspiring and wonderful. I think that it is such as much as you can look at it in like the in the workplace and look at it and like in this agency how can we get more people to do that i think it is for me and it's not a helpful answer 
it's a societal thing. It's women are brought up to be scared of falling over. They're they're mm. constantly questioning themselves. And I think that and again I'm really stereotyping here, so completely don't like hold me to any of this. Ruby's looking at me being like, oh, yeah. um, <laughs> but, um but like you're on the whole <laughs> on the whole, women are brought up to be a lot more um considered what they're like themselves and making sure that they're not stepping out of line, not not being a bitch, not being so a bad thing. That thing where like boys are brought up to be yeah, adventurous and boys, girls are like, Oh be yeah. careful. Yeah. Yeah. If you're climbing a tree, it's like, oh, just be careful. Yeah, women, men, men, men on the whole, on the whole, not every single man in the whole world, it's kind of brought up a little bit more like, go and get your, go and get dirty, fall over a little bit, you'll be fine, get up again. And I think that, mm. not, not necessarily, not, no, it's like I said, not all men on the whole. And I think that, I think that it's, um, I think that it's, it's one of those things that it really helps men in, in, and, and I don't think it's negative to go into those roles because they're not so scared. Like mm. the amount of job interviews like we've gone into, or like, or we, even before advertising, where you go into and you're like, I better not. I've got to be hundred percent like unsell yeah. myself because what if I say the things that I can do and someone's going to think that I'm a dickhead if I'm really honest about how good I think I am because I don't want anyone to think I'm an asshole. Whereas I don't think I don't think boys don't have that. But I mean, not all. Uh, we're, there's going to be loads of men listening to that being like, "Shut up, you dickhead!" But like, <laughs> I have that. I've got really bad anxiety and I can't get. But it's not. I think it's culturally. And like really, really stereotypically looking at it, that's that's how I felt. Yeah, a bit. Um, I think there is a statistic that says. I think it was um, if a woman how a woman. (laughs) There was a statistic that was released a while ago that Cindy Gallup quoted in Mm. her uh, Creative Equals Mm. thing, where she was talking about. a man will apply for a job if he has yeah. 75% of the mm. required okay, qualifications, so, yeah. but a woman will only apply if she has 100%. And I think that that is mm. culturally very true, that there is this expectation of women to be perfect and also uh, demure and not show off yeah. and be feminine, but also go-getting. And it's it's one of those things where it's like, right. Everything but nothing. Yeah, <laughs> Not <we're>, a slut. <laughs> <laughs> And for so many years, the dialogue has been in order to be a successful one, you have to embody the qualities of masculinity. Mm. You know, you have to be uh, bossy and go and get what you want and, you know, wear wear business suits and all of those things that were considered, I think, from the 80s onwards, really, to be marks of a powerful woman were all borrowed from masculinity. And I think we're moving into an era now where femininity is starting to be considered to be powerful yeah and people need to start embracing that and realizing that in order for a woman to be successful she is not necessarily going to go the same way way about things that a man will go about things and making allowances for that and understanding that culture is different and is going to judge her differently Mm. because regardless of how open-minded we want to be we have been brought up in a society that makes us think things subconsciously yeah so for example there's that uh, typical thing where it's like, oh, if a woman says it, she's bossy, but if a man says it, he's got good leadership skills. Yeah. And we need to start questioning those things internally as well as externally and going, okay, what are my personal internal biases? Stop not questioning yourself, because I think it's really important that people think, oh, I'm open-minded, so I don't need to question yeah. it. And I think that's that's where people go wrong, is they, they kind of rest on their laurels. They're like, yeah, okay, absolutely. we've got, for example, 50% women in our company, so therefore we don't need to question any of the internal things that are going on here. Exactly, absolutely. You need to look at where the women actually, how they actually feel when they come to work, whether they feel they belong. 
whether they feel that yeah, like they I'm, feel comfortable or they can actually yeah. be themselves talk about things that are going on that actually bother them or whether they think that as a woman they can't express too much emotion because someone's going to think that they're weak or it's a total bugbear of mine i hate it that like there is this idea that professionalism means that you can't be emotional i think that's not i cry all the time <laughs> sometimes in the not toilet in front of clients. not in front of clients <laughs> but i do i yeah i think that can't really need to question myself. Maybe but I, I should. But I also think that, like, yeah, I think when we start raising our kids in a different way, there'll be a massive shift in like twenty years when someone else is doing a podcast about this and mm. being like, it, it will be. There's such a shift, and it takes such a slow. It's such a slow burner. But I think yeah. all the cogs are in the right places to start moving. And I think that I think that yeah, it give it time and it will change. I really don't. I really don't have any fear about that personally. And there's a really good movie. I'm feeling positive about it of women supporting women as well like people that people like laura mm. Laura, mm. who is our cco she is amazing she is always promoting young women that she meets we've recently got a mm. junior creative in called gnome mm. and she's amazing she won, the, she won the black pencil for, the, pencil. for new blood and uh, yeah she's great and Laura has championed her since the very beginning and has always been like yeah come to mr president there's always a space for you and she is a real champion of young talent. She got us in and she makes a big effort to make sure that yeah, she always and listens I, but to But I will caveat that slightly with something. And I think like, yeah, like we owe Laura like so fucking much. She is incredible. But I do think that like, and women support women is amazing. However, I do think there is um, uh, something that we will have to be very aware of, which is not making, not being like, oh, we'll get them in because they're women. Like I said yeah. before. There are so many talented white cisgender, what, don't know, that, that long spiel of like just standard <laughs> white guys um, down the pub who are fucking talented. And there is a bit of a shift at the moment where I'm talking to people who I know are fucking talented and they're not getting, they're not, they're not. And it's again, you don't want to be like, oh, poor white guys, they're not getting any jobs. But like at the same time, you can't ignore talent if it's there. Like yeah. you still have to be on We're a going talent day. You have to go for a talent based, like, or you're, you're fucking up the entire system. You have to go, these people are talented. We're giving give them the breaks that they not that they want, and we want to encourage people to be looking and wanting to push themselves to get into these roles because that and and then be talented, not just because like imagine if someone like if we ever got a job and someone went, oh, it's because you girls, mm. I'd be like, well, I have got no confidence in myself. This is a bunch of shit. Yeah, yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, and it, and if you start hiring on that basis, it completely devalues everyone's talent. So I yeah. think it's such a delicate balance, and there's no right or wrong answer, but it's just it's just it's about. Things just needing to progress in the in the right way because all all that will happen if you if you start making things being based on just trying to diversify your your agency will be that it will swing the other way like it's a, such a delicate balance and you just need to keep it working and in the right direction. For equality, but yeah. you are aiming for equality. Yeah, one hundred percent. And I think that's I think that's the thing that everyone has to remember because yeah, every talent talent is good. But there's, there's <laughs> as talent people. is good. Yeah. we've still got a long way to go before we yeah. get to equality. Yeah. So there's still a work 100%. to do. Yeah. Awesome. That was awesome. Sorry, we went on for a bit. No, then. no, that's exactly what we needed to hear. But I guess I have two last questions for you. Yeah, no, go for it. Um, why a small agency? The first one. So why a small agency and a big agency? Small Ooh. agencies um, will nurture you in a way that a big agency can't. Um, we've always been in small agencies. I know, agencies, I so don't know. Big agencies can nurture you, just in, it's in a little bit of a different way. It's a, but it is a different way. Like, there, there's a, it's different. Like, um, I've never been in a big agency. I can't really, like, compare them yeah, directly. I've fair. got friends that are in big agencies. And they have the most amazing things that come with being in a big agency. Like, it depends on, you know, six of one, half dozen of the other. Small agencies can do things that big agencies can't do. Big agencies can do things that small yeah. agencies can't do. 
um, you will probably get the opportunity to be on good briefs in a small agency that you might not be on if you're starting off as a junior in a big agency. But if you're really good, you still might be. It just depends on yeah. where you are. But I think if you are one of a couple of teams, you're always going to be in everything. You're going to yeah. be in all of those. Yeah. And also, like, yeah, it, it's really hard because every single agency works so bloody differently. Yeah. Like, we've, yeah. we've been at quite fairly small ones. Yeah. And it... It's, it's really, basically, look at the work that comes out of somewhere and then yeah. go and work there. <laughs> yeah. Essentially, that's the only thing. I think yeah. a small agency is nice because you know everybody. Know everyone. Yeah. I, know everyone's, I know everyone's first names. I know their partner's first names. Like, like yeah. it's, it's a very, it's yeah. very lovely and everyone is, it has, has the capacity to look out for each other. Not to say that that doesn't happen in big agencies. It's just a lot more difficult to remember 150 people's names yeah, that work in your department as opposed to like absolutely. 30 people that work in your own plan office. But yeah, absolutely. so it, 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 it really does. It's good, I think. But then if you work for it. a big agency, you don't have to explain like who that is because you yeah. can just be like, oh yeah, I worked at Sarchi. Yeah. Everyone knows who it is. Yeah. yeah, but I think, yeah, I think it's, it's about especially if you have if you have the um one of the things that i always wished that i'd had more time i never interned really i she says i never interned i've always got a job but like i when when i went to quite a it's my first agency in london and i couldn't afford to intern anywhere else i didn't have the funds to do it because mm. i didn't there just wasn't any money and mm. um, backing me and i i had to I had to work quite some i'm really glad i did because they're amazing and i had like, the best time there and made some bloody incredible work but I wish that I'd gone around a little bit more just to see a little, like a little yeah, bit more yeah. the agencies. And I think that if you have the if you have the funds, if you're from London or if you have family that live down here, I do think it is good to do like a few like a month stint somewhere and then just look like look around a little bit if if yeah. you can. I'm not saying that in any way that that's possible for everyone because it wasn't was through the rest. But <laughs> yeah, but it, yeah. but I, that is yeah. something that like I would I feel like It'd I want to say I wish I'd shagged about a bit before I settled, but no, you can't say that, can you, on a podcast? You can say that. You said it now. Absolutely. Last question. Creative sense. Yeah. <laughs> what was it like being a DNAD judge? Oh man. <laughs> oh god. Okay. It was it was so wicked to be asked to do that for New Blood just because it was so it was two or three years after I got my my, my um my DNA thing. Oh okay. And, and it was um yeah, it must have been about Was three that years. the qualification? Like, yeah, it was weird. No, no, no. Because you had one. Yeah, I think I've got one. And DNA have been amazing. And like, I'm very good at talking and uh, speaking my mind, which I think they probably like. So I don't know if that's right or they just have my email address at the top of a list. But they've, all, <laughs> they've always been really, really nice at sort of like getting me involved in stuff. And the, being the judge was, it was, it was. Was it for a particular? Um... It was, it was called, oh God, Fortune Favours the Brave. It was the brief. Um, and it was for, it was a DNA set brief for okay. new blood and it was um it was really amazing it was a really tricky brief it was um yeah it was it was set by um john callis who's a who i can never say a surname wrong and if he hears this he'll be really embarrassed that i said his name wrong but he um he set the brief and he's amazing creative he's been everywhere that's amazing and he wrote this really amazing brief but when i read it i was like i ain't got fucking sure i'd answer that even when i was judging it and um the creative stuff that came out of it was amazing i think I can't remember if there's a black pencil that we, or not that we nominated, but it was amazing. I think the thing that I would say if you are going to enter those is that there's a lot of judges that have got full-time jobs and that are doing it in their, their, their spare time. And I think yeah. I had to look through 300 videos in my spare time. And these videos like vary from like, I think it's like the longest they can be is a minute. But um, mm. 
it, it gets quite monotonous. Not to say that these, like, and I wanted yeah. to watch all of them and be really connected to, like, everything. That, it's really good advice, though. Yeah. Just basically, just get them in the first two seconds. Keep it as punchy. They, there's different. one that was... My, my one probably went on forever. I entered. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> looking back, I very much understand why it didn't work. Like, yeah. But, yeah, basically. It's... It's about price. if you've got a really nice idea, mm. just remember to present it well. You're going to advertising. That's basically like you need to learn how to do that. And I yeah. think I think the thing that just don't do is a case study with some ukulele music in the background and someone doing a VO over some really boring <laughs> graphics because like unless your idea is shit hot and shines through that, which it might well be, like no one wants to sit through a hundred like three hundred of those. Like it's it it's like even I mean there's one there's these, there's a team that um had a really nice idea. I don't think it won anything in the end, but they they started off by pretending it was a Skype call and then cited every single one of our names and pretended they were talking to us in the first few seconds and after you've been in a room judging with a bunch of people and you're all knackered, someone to be like Florence Deary and you kind of go, Oh am I Skyping someone? Like why are you on screen? And it was this beautiful thing where it was like and everyone perked up and it's it's just having those little hooks and knowing your your target audience, which essentially is a How bunch. How did they of... find out it was you guys? I wish I had yeah, no, I, think, I don't know. They, I think they must have like figured out who was judging before, and like, yeah, I was overwhelmed amazing. by how Spy clever powers. that was. Yeah, but, um, and everyone loves um, talking about themselves, and they're massively narcissistic. So if you put someone's name or something, they're exactly. Like, oh, it's me. <laughs> Fabulous. Sorry. Anyway, I talked loads of. But yeah. No, that's fine. That's everything. So yes. I've been queuing this for a while. I hope this goes well. <laughs> Thanks, guys. You've been amazing. Oh, I downloaded oh, this for you. You got that phrase as well. That's so kind of you. Thank you. You shouldn't have bought champagne. Oh, that's too much. Too generous. They're great yeah. actors. <laughs> right. Yeah, I actually downloaded that so I could just say thank you. This has been great. It's actually a very good one. Probably oh, my you can't say that. I'm sure they've all been wonderful as well. But we are. No, they've yeah, all been great. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone's been great, but you guys want to say. Um, got some yes. great stuff out of this yeah. one. Oh, the spikes are so high on this recording. I wonder oh, if that sorry. applause was... No, the applause. The oh, applause. okay. See how it goes. But, um, thanks. No, so thank you. you. Edit all the bad bits out. <laughs> Good I'll luck. Good luck. <laughs> thank you so much. <laughs>